Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast from a galaxy far, far away. Great to be back with you as always. I'm your host, Mark Asquith, bringing you news, reviews and some random spotlights every single week, piping it into your ears from hyperspace. And joining me this week, as always, it's the man, the myth, the legend and the Senate, Mr. Gary Ailer. How are you doing, dude? <laughs> the Senate, yeah. I'm all good, thanks, buddy. All good indeed, yeah. It's been another interesting week for Star Wars news and whatnot as we continue to go through uh, lockdown, which is not lockdown, but then was lockdown again, but then isn't. And I'm not sure exactly what we're in at the moment, but it's an interesting week nonetheless. I'm all good. How are you? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Literally the same, the, the very, very same. Yeah, it's been one of those kind of bizarre weeks um, where not much has changed, but you can feel something has changed like nationwide, it's you know not day to day for you and I and, and and our respective ladies and families. Like not that much has changed. Like I've not seen family any more than you know I should do. I've not even I've actually not been through and seen family because I'm like, well, it's still really risky. Um, so it's it's sort of this weird scenario where yeah, it feels like something has changed nationwide, but obviously day to day for you and I, it just hasn't. So it's, it's bizarre, isn't it, man? It's weird. It's very weird. It's uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of, like you said, our day-to-day lives is pretty similar. Not, not much has changed in that respect. But yeah, you can just feel that's like the tide's turning slowly. But then you get some political idiot that's like, yeah, what I what I said to you two days ago, I no longer believe. So now we're going to backtrack and do something else and you know, stay indoors, go out, brilliant. Nope, go back inside. Nope, brilliant. Outdoors <laughs> again. Nope, brilliant. Back inside. Nope, brilliant. So well, I think too. the instructions have been really clear um if you understand swahili and can uh, take implications from people who don't actually say words <laughs> they just mind bend them so you know if you've got those skills i think it's all been very very clear and what we have to remember is i am the senate so i am the senate thank you Bo- questions laura coonsberg bbc <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh bloody hell it's bojo bojo's the senate and over to Beth Rigby for some frock. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'll read you, man. It's like, <laughs> it's almost like episode one being played out throughout politics at the moment with the old COVID stuff. Got yeah, all the while, like over the Atlantic, you've got Trump just putting on pod races. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. the man that invented pod racing. Great guy. Believe me, believe me. This will be the best pod race you have ever seen. Best it's, pod race. He's ever. like that, yeah. Believe me, yeah. He's like, he's uh, yeah, he's just another planet. To our American listeners, our American friends, uh, we love you guys, but freaking hell, Trump is, uh, I don't know how you deal with, because uh, we thought Bojo was bad, but yeah, Trump's another level. It's got to be huge. 
pod racing. It's gonna be huge. Uh, fake, fake, fake pod racing. Fake pod racing. Big pod racing fan. Big pod racing fan. Well, that took a turn. Didn't expect. Well, thanks for tuning in. This has been Spiker Rebellion, episode fifty-six. <laughs> a real pleasure to be chatting to everyone. Until next week. Goodbye, and may the force be with you always. Always, the force will always be it around. Will always, always be believe huge. me. That force, it's gonna be. It's just uh, amazing, huge. That wall's got ten feet tall because of the four or something. <laughs> Terrible impressions, croaky. Let's move on, dude. I love it. Donald Trump's become Irish. <laughs> a, a twang, a little little bit of Irish twang in there, followed with a little bit of Gungan. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> the force is going to be moy huge, moy moy huge. <laughs> <laughs> no, huge. Trump, Trump, Binks, right, on that note. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, this is Spiker Rebellion, like I said, and believe it or not, it is a Star Wars show, and we're going to get to some Star Wars news in just one second. But if you want to join us on the socials, have a little bit of banter, maybe continue this amazing comedy routine that we have just impromptu devised right here, right now, come and join us. Just search for Spiker Rebellion on your favourite social media platform. Uh, not Bebo. We're not on there, not MySpace, but all the big ones were over there. And just, Grindr. just let us know what Grinder. I thought you said Grinder. Yeah, gonna be huge, huge, huge. <laughs> go and search us out. Just go and hunt us down. Let us know what you think of our Bojo and Trump impressions, and more importantly, let us know what's got your mind racing. Like one of Anakin's pods in the world of Star Wars this week. What are you thinking about? What are you? What's on your mind? What are you chatting about? And what's got you interested in the world of Star Wars this week? And also, huge thanks to our patrons over on patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. We see supporters coming in all the time. It's really, really good to just find our new supporters and just kind of, it's always amazing to me, guys, where people just turn up from, you know, people just come out of nowhere. And we, we get an email saying, you've got a new supporter. And it's one of the best feelings ever that people actually listen to the little show that you put out. So thank you so much to Kevin and Sean and to Tom and Chris and Phil Mahomey, Derek, and everyone else that supports the show over on Patreon. Be like them and get some swag. Go and get some swag at patreon.com slash spark of rebellion. Now, before we get into the news, guys, same question as always. What are we going to do tonight, Pinky? Trying to take over the world. <laughs> um, oh, what a show. I think that's coming back. I heard that's coming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. I heard that. Brilliant. What have I been up to? Uh, got some Lego, dude. Ooh. Got some legs. So, oh, a few months ago now, or a couple of months ago, I saw that you picked up. So Lego do these little sets, don't they? These little scenes from, from movies. I think there's half a dozen about. And uh, I, I saw that you picked up the, was it the Mustafar? The Mustafar. Uh, battle yeah yeah you were my brother anakin i loved you anakin <laughs> gonna be huge gonna be huge the high ground's gonna be huge <laughs> believe me and um yeah so i thought well, i like that but i couldn't find it anywhere so i was in tesco the other day as you do looking for essentials ice cream ice cream a kit kat and a turnip and I saw Star. I saw this little scene here. <laughs> I saw this little scene here, which is really cool. It's the from A New Hope. It's um, it's the the scene where Obi Wan goes off to deactivate the tractor beam, and it's really cool. So it's got the uh, the little tractor beam console thing with a little switch and the little thing. It's also got one of the um, the Death Star operators that operate the cannons like during the Death Star trench battle and all that stuff. So that's really cool. So I'm going to build that at some point. So I pick that up. Uh, a little bit miffed, though, at the false advertising, if I'm honest. 
Because along with the bricks that you obviously get with the set, it's also got these really cool sort of Death Star lights. And as you look out of the window where the Death Star cannon is, you've got like this whole space scene and stuff. You don't get that. So I'm a bit miffed at that because I bought it for that reason. I thought, freaking hell, this is going to be like some some Neil deGrasse Tyson jazz going on outside the Death Star window. But, but it's not. And that's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. And people say he's just a pair of tits. Well, they do now. Put some weight <laughs> on in it. <laughs> so yeah, I love so. those little Lego. Those little Lego sets are, are sweet as dude. I really, really like them. They um, they are they are like really well put together. Like they pick. I don't know how they do it. They've got. A, a, I don't know, like who commissions these, but they've got a habit of picking the right scenes. Do you know what I mean? Like they really yeah. pick the ones that the nerds want. Like I've got the Han Solo just going into Carbonite one with the little um, Ugnaught guy and Boba Fett and. Like they've got, they just pick the ones where you're like, out. it's not even about the scene a lot of the time. It's about getting that trench runner Death Star guy in Lego form. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I read you. Well, they have to pick out the good ones, I suppose. Because you wouldn't want to go into a Lego store anywhere else and you just see like, I don't know, I don't know like just desert. And then they give you like a tiny little sand crawler where the Jawas were there earlier. But now they're not. <laughs> Just, this is just some sand and you've got to make your own Jawa tracks in it. Uh, uh, <laughs> and you get one little Luke Skywalker thing, one little figure, and it's like, yeah, that's the set, kids. Woo, <laughs> So it is cool, man. I've, uh, I'm enjoying... Uh, I've, I, I gave away uh, a lot of Lego a few years ago just because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find any room for it. I had a Millennium Falcon. It was pretty big. Um, Are you kidding me? You gave it away? No, I didn't give it away. I, sold, I, I think I eBayed it. Uh, what is wrong with you I, I just couldn't find the thing with lego is i love it i absolutely love building it like the experience of building lego is still amazing but the couple of star wars things that i picked up they were just too massive like they didn't fit on the, on a bookshelf anywhere because they were too big oh the other one was the big um uh i think it was vader's shuttle in return of the jedi like this you know that you know Oh, nice yeah yeah and it's amazing it don't get me wrong but i just no idea where to put it like the shuttle just ended up going on the floor because their, their bookshelf just wouldn't fit on there. Millennium Falcon was the same deal. It was just too too wide to fit on the shelf. So it, I, I literally had a point where I was like, I have nowhere to put it. I couldn't put it on a desk. I didn't have anywhere. Just nowhere to put them, dude. So uh, they went well, to I a good that. home. They went to a good home, I suppose. But I would rather they went somewhere where somebody would have the experience again of building it, but would also have the room to show it off, you know, properly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that, dude. Well, look, speaking of toy news, this is probably the first on our agenda this week. Although, I must warn you, <clears throat> there will be probably spoilers for the Clone Wars finale because I read this piece and I was like, ah, this is the peril of being a Star Wars podcast. I've not yet watched the Clone Wars finale, but now I know some of it, um, which I'm not too annoyed about because it still has emotional impact and it will still be just as good when we watch it but warning there be spoilers ahead so guys i'm assuming you're all right with this even though you're covering your ears up and is that are there tears it's a one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, down the check yeah, yeah i'm rolling down the cheek tears gonna be huge so <laughs> this is a captain rex hot toys figure and uh, this is actually really badass so if you've seen the Clone Wars, you know, obviously, Captain Rex, he's in it from day one. You know, you recognise Captain Rex's helmet. He's got the two little, which are kind of like, they're like little eyebrows or horns or, you know, they've, they've got, the, he's got little points drawn on his on his phase two clone armour. He had him on the phase one as well. Um, 
and he is uh, obviously he's, he's a soaker's real kind of right hand man. You know, he moves up through the ranks with uh, with Anakin, becomes a real um, piece of clarity for all the characters in Clone Wars. Becomes one of the you know real kind of staple clones alongside Fives and Echo, and even Cody to a degree. Boo, Cody, and it's one of those interesting kind of characters that then pops up in Rebels, and you know maybe we'll talk about a little bit more about that later on, but. Hot Toys have made a Captain Rex character, which is kind of interesting for a couple of different reasons. And first and foremost, as, as, as a toy guy, this I mean, this looks badass. The, the, the set that you get with it, it comes with a number of accessories. It comes with one of the visors uh, for over the clone helmet, you know, the kind of um, the binocular style visors that they get. Um, it comes with the uh, a rocket pack on the back, and it also comes with a, a pistol and a second helmet, which is the... Um, the Ahsoka-inspired helmet from Season 7. So again, if I've not seen Season 7, but I've seen enough of it to know that the clones take on this um, this style, they spray up the helmets in tribute to Ahsoka Tano, which, Ahsoka Tano even, which obviously we know Ahsoka then becomes Fulcrum and the symbol then you know, becomes the fulcrum symbol, the, the kind of Togruta uh, face paint that she's got on or the, the skin markings that she's got. So this is a really nice little packaged piece of Captain Rex. Um, really, really badass. And it looks like it, it is just really well put together. The photography they do on this, the design they do on it is always really, really good. Um, but there's also a couple of interesting things with this one. The first one, I saw a, an opinion piece on this one, which was... <laughs> which was really interesting. It was this guy who had seen this piece and is like, look, in my head, I know that's Captain Rex and I love it, but he's got Tamura Morrison's face and it's freaking me out. And they've done this real, you know, we've done this before, like with Luke and um, a couple of other people where they've made toys of them. Maybe some of the facial detail is a little bit caricatured. This one isn't. Like, this is fairly accurate. It looks like a young Tamura Morrison uh, as a clone, and like this guy said, you know in your head that this is Captain Rex, but your brain just goes, yeah, it's Tamira Morrison, that, that's that guy out of Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. who we know is coming back for Mando season two. So what do you make of this, dude? It's pretty badass looking, but are you freaked out by it as well? Yeah, the, uh, the, the guys over at Hot Toys, they always do, especially for these ones, so the sixth scale figure range that they've got. They always have just a way of making them look eerily realistic and they've, they've done that a lot with the so most of the star wars stuff that they've done over the years it's all they just nailed the face sculpt and the head sculpt and stuff it looks very just uber realistic and they also do really good jobs over it. anything that's got like a human face from hot toys so a lot of the marvel stuff is great and lord of the rings and stuff it just looks so good and this figure looks badass man it's the little display stand is really nice and the accessories like you said and stuff my only thing with hot toys is that it's such a dangerous path to jump down because their six scale stuff i think is about in pounds anyway it's normally about 200 pounds ish roughly so i've all for that very reason because over the years i've always like i've seen like the darth vader um different versions of him that they've done uh the emperor luke a bunch of different stormtroopers um yeah, I've just, every time I see him, I'm like, right, that's going to be my first one, like my first collectible from Hot Toys. And then I'm like, oh, but if I get that one, I'm going to have to get this other one and then the other one. And then before you know it, you've dropped like a couple of grand on, on collectibles, which is not a bad thing, but oh, dude, it's a dangerous path to tumble down with the Hot Toys stuff. But it does look really good. And they've they've nailed the, uh, I can see why that guy would be like, yeah, 
in my head it's Rex, but I'm looking at the act. Yeah, I can see exactly what what that guy's saying. But it looks great, dude. Looks really good, and I love the fact that they've they've included the um, the Ahsoka style helmet with it as well. A lovely little touch. Yeah, yeah, great. man. This is it's, it's indicative of of the way that Star Wars is really going at the minute. You know, the Clone Wars. It looks like this is kicking off a series of hot toys. Um, like you said, the six scale stuff, and it looks like this is one of many to come out of the Clone Wars era, which is always it's fascinating to me because, you know, we talk about this a lot, this kind of, um, you know, multi-layered why, you know, why the heck are they doing this? And obviously, it will sell a toy, and I'm the same as you, like, I'm, I've got a few Kota Bakia DC ones, like I've got, there's one, two, three, four, five, six of them, and that's the same slippery slope, they're not quite as expensive, they're like maybe 90 to 110 quid, but... Even so, that's a pile of cash to throw on a on a on a figurine. Yeah, yeah. So I totally get what you're saying there, but kind of flipping gears a little bit and looking at this from a, a different angle, like they're trying to keep the Clone Wars and Rex and Ahsoka and all these guys. They're trying to keep them top of mind, aren't they? Let's be frank about it. With fans like you and I, you know, the the, the casual viewer, they're not going to care. It's just a character in the Mandalorian. But to you and I, it feels like they're doing what they did like almost between Force Awakens and Jedi and Jedi and Rise of Skywalker by leaking stuff and announcing stuff just to keep things top of mind. Um, and I, I'm sure there's no direct link to it, but it, it certainly implies that they're not finished with these characters. And we know, obviously, we know the Mandalorian's coming up and so on. But like, am I just being the usual fanboy reading too much into that? Or is there, do you think there's something in that kind of ten, tenuous link? No, dude, you're absolutely right with that. I think uh, I think the marketing guys and the story group guys at Lucasfilm have got a very, very good um, angle on when they want to release news and announce stuff, and more so than ever these days around characters in general. So gone are the days where it's just one big wave of stuff around a film or a video game. Now it's like, okay, we've got this in the pipeline. It's going to be 12 to 18 months out. So now let's start to like plant the seed with like all of these merch um, avenues that we've got as well. It's not just the case of, right, let's put a T-shirt out or a poster out. Now we can weave all of our different licensees, get them to sort of feed into our overall media plan, as it were. And like you said, just keep these characters just forefront for for a while and then just slowly ramp up to something. Yeah, so I don't think this is – these kind of announcements are not – they're not coincidental at all. I think uh, – Hot Toys and Sideshow, all those people will have a very good um, and a very frequent chat with Lucasfilm and they'll plan this stuff out, I'm sure. Yeah, totally agree, man. And just a, a warning for anyone that looks at the link that we put in the um, in the show notes, there is a spoiler in there around Order sixty six, um, which we'll not discuss. Just in case anyone like us hasn't seen it, I've read it. Um, it doesn't go to, into any detail, um, but what it does do is it kind of gives you an uh, an insight into um, probably one of the biggest questions. If you certainly if you've seen Rebels around the end of the Clone Wars and the, and the end of Revenge of the Sith, it certainly it certainly uh, shines a light on that. We kind of knew the outcome of it but it's more the what really happened. So just a warning that the link that we put in the show notes does contain a bit of a spoiler there, doesn't it, guys? It's going to be huge. going to be huge. Spoilers, huge. I know the guy that invented spoilers, believe me, great friend, great friend of mine. I had a great conversation with him. <laughs> he said, Donald, spoilers for the next wave. And they said, you got to be the Senate. So now I am the Senate. going to be huge. Dude, do you know what Trump's like? Just, just something's just clocked. He's like, that, he's like the IT guy that turns up. Ah, yeah, he is. Isn't he? 
They said I could go pro. Uh, I said, no, mate, I'm making enough money Ooh, in computers. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah, have you ever ridden, have you ever been, what does he say about, have you ever been quad biking or something, go-karting? He said, you ever done Speedway? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and the guy down there said, I should have been pro. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely going to die. I flipped over <laughs> in the air, landed it, and said, what are you worried about? Yeah. <laughs> he's that guy, isn't he? Like, everything that he ever talks about, he's done to the nth degree. And you can imagine the reporters reacting like Tim does. How long are you going to be, mate? Yeah. How long are you going to be? Oh, dude. Right, come on, move on. Otherwise, we're going to go down All that right. hole. Yep. Yeah, it could take a while. Right, Sam Witwer, he's been at it again. Uh, that's going to be a spike <laughs> in the audio. Sam Witwer's been at it again. He's been on over on the old Twitch. This guy is probably one of the most well-balanced Star Wars fans out there. Because Star Wars fans are, and I'm counting you and I in this, like we're a bit mental, like we're crazy. And when we believe something, we go all into it. We're like balls deep in believing something. So you hate The Last Jedi, you hate The Last Jedi. If you love The Last Jedi, you love The Last Jedi. If you think Rex is amazing, you actually think Rex is amazing. And it's like the, it's very polarizing, this thing. But there are some people like Filoni and like this guy, Sam Witwer, uh, I always see him as Doomsday from Smallville, that he's always... Very well balanced. So he's a fan like us, but he just happens to work on Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? That's That seems to be the feel that he puts across. Like, I am a fan, but I I just happen to have to turn up to work to do this. Like, he's got that jive going on. So he's come out on Twitch, uh, just, you know, as he inevitably does. We spoke about this last week. He's just, he has a bit of banter. Um, and he got talking about Ryan Johnston, The Last Jedi. And he, he was, he gave a very well balanced critique on... The Last Jedi, in particular, um, just really why The Last Jedi hit some really solid beats, but then why it failed to hit some other Star Wars beats. Um, so what he's come out and said is that, um, and this is the guy that obviously does uh, the, the voice of Darth Maul most notably, he came out and basically said that Ryan Johnson is a great filmmaker, but he didn't quite do his homework um, with Star Wars. And there was a few things that he said that were very, very interesting. First of all, he said that in The Last Jedi, he never really gave a compelling reason or a compelling enough reason why someone like Luke that we saw right through the original trilogy with the sensibilities, the ethics, and the mindset and the approach. You know, this is a guy that left his training on Dagobah to go and save Han and Leia, even though he knew it was going to be a complete, you know, a complete pain in the ass to do so. And Yoda and Ben Kenobi said, don't do it. He did it. So Whitwood says, you know, well... Ryan Johnson never really gave me a compelling reason to believe that Luke would abandon his sister and not go help. It's sort of like everything else that he, even all the Jedi stuff, even cutting himself off from the Force, it's almost like there would be no compelling reason for him at least not to be in an X-Wing and just be the pilot as opposed to the Force guy, the Jedi. You know, so he kind of, that's what he implies. He said there was no real compelling reason where Luke wouldn't help his sister. But then he goes on to make another couple of really interesting points. Um... He said that you can't reinvent Star Wars, and this is via Digital Spy, you can't reinvent Star Wars without knowing Star Wars first. And the analogy that he made was um, he was saying that Ryan Johnson's a really talented guy, but Bruce Lee didn't develop Jeet Kune Do without learning Kung Fu first and understanding the background so that he can then build upon it. Um, and then he goes on just to finish that up by saying uh, another couple of things around, okay, look, th th there's some conflicting ideas here. If Luke is hiding out on an island and he feels so terribly bad about how he handled Kylo Ren, why is he then at the end taunting the kid? And then 
he goes on to just talk a little bit further about just how he didn't really do his homework, but as a standalone film, The Last Jedi hits some really great themes, hits some great beats, it's a great movie in terms of um, filmmaking, but as a Star Wars movie, it just just kind of missed the boat a little bit, and it was largely down to that understanding and research. So, you know, I know we've we've kind of flipped and flopped a little bit on this. I still think The Last Jedi is great, but um, it's that th- this is a very well balanced approach to it. You know, it's not being critical, but yet it's not fanboying it. It's just a very well balanced look at The Last Jedi from someone that does know the insides of Star Wars a little bit more. Um, so what say thee on this one, dude? Oh, <clears throat> big old subject, this one, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, yeah, I completely see what you're saying, to be honest with you. I think that was one of the biggest, uh, that's probably one of the biggest um, conflicting points of that film really is why Luke, why why he wrote Luke to be that way. And I think when you have, even Mark Hamill, I think in one of the, behind the scenes videos or something like that. He said that he really struggled to get his head into that character space because that's just so far from what he thought Luke would be like at this point in the game. So he really struggled. He couldn't really see. And I think, I think it took Ryan Johnson a long time to win him round a little bit to say, I think what Ryan Johnson was trying to do was to say, look, everything that you thought Luke Skywalker was going to be like at this point in his life and at this point in the saga, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have just Luke coming back as Luke as you remember him. I want it to be a case of like, this is how life and time and everything has affected Luke. And it's completely different to what you think Luke would have been like. So I think Ryan was really trying to like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to fan service this. Luke's not going to be like the, you know, the, the shining jewel in the Jedi crown that you remember him to be. So when Sam Witt was like, uh, he hasn't really done his homework, I, th- I don't think that's true. I think Ryan Johnson knows Star Wars very well. It's just he doesn't want to follow the expected path. I think that's the crux of it, I think. Um, but he does make a very good point, though. It's like um, with the whole, you know, yeah, and that's something I hadn't considered before, but it's such a great point is like, he was willing to just give up everything. Like Yoda was like, you can't go. Uh, no, no. You know, you can't go because you need to finish your training. That's like, that's the most important thing because if you get captured and you get manipulated and turned to the dark side, it's over for all of us. So I know it's your sister and everything, but you've really got to just let fate, you know, decide what happens to those guys. You need to carry on this path here because you're our that was the whole thing, wasn't it, in the original trilogy? That you're our only hope. You're the last hope. And he's like, screw that. She's family, she's sister and stuff. So when you have that kind of mentality and that kind of love and dedication to your friends or your family, or whatever. Um and then fast forward in time, it's like, yeah. <laughs> a bit of Peter Griffin going on. Like your sister's in trouble, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, come on, man. So you can see why people say things like that. He hasn't done his homework and stuff. I think he has. I think he does know Star Wars. He's just he's just going off the beaten path because that's what nobody expected to happen. 
Yeah, that's a good point, man. That's and that's that's really well thought through there. Uh, and and yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. And it it makes me wonder if all he needed to do then was just think through the connectivity a little bit and just say, look, here's the why. Like it it, would, it could have even been an easy throwaway line, you know. Just I'm just ashamed of the way I treated my sister's kid, and that's enough. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, but like men are just men are like that. You know, ego kicks in, and it's just look, I'm a I'm a dude. And I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a dick when I've done something wrong and I can't admit it and I'm just I feel so shameful about it that I'm really struggling with this and that's why and I know it's wrong and then because they kind of got there with the whole Jedi hubris thing and what he was saying there was was interesting um, around you know we've got a, the, the the Jedi just they let Sidious come to power but it, yeah it, it, it does make a good point about the other side of it the personal side of it so yeah i see what you're saying there yeah maybe maybe you're right it's 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 not through lack of research it's just more of a maybe it's an editing choice maybe it's just look we didn't have time to go into this um you know and i've not read the last jedi novelization if i'm honest so maybe there's a little bit more in there i don't know probably um, yeah yeah it sounds like there would be it's that sort of thing that they'd cover a little bit more of wouldn't it you know you'd think it would be in there um but I still think, I do think it's a very well-balanced criticism or critique of, of Ryan Johnson's approach. Um, like you said, regardless of, of, of the research level, I think the, the you know, Whitworth is one of the few people that, like, you know, look at John Boyega. You know, he comes out and he's just like, nah, mate, I'm out of this. Like, thanks for all the millions <laughs> and all that stuff, but I'm, this is not good. And I just think <laughs> Whitworth approaches it like a fan. Yeah. Where Boyega's like, I bought my mum a house. You know, it's... It's it's like a it's a it's just a slightly different approach, and it's if they feel like he and Filoni and a few others, they just feel like people that um, really will be part of Star Wars for the next generation, you know. And that I'm I'm always interested when people like that are talking about it, and especially with the benefit of hindsight as well, um, and and even maybe a bit of foresight because I think a lot of these guys know what could have been or what is coming or. Um, so it's just a fascinating mix of, of of all that knowledge that he's got and then how he approaches that on Twitch. I think he's really... In, and it'll be the same next week. Like, he'll be back on Twitch this week. And it'll be next week. Like, where was I again? <laughs> he's had Ryan Johnson round. They were playing COD together. It's unreal. It's unreal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be... That is, it seems to be just what he does every week, which is fine for us because that's what we do. Um, so speaking of, of stuff that's um, a little bit... I guess a little bit crazy. Like, could be kind of amazing or could be a little bit like well i'm not sure about that the old mike zero over on the youtube he's uh, he's a funny old one is mike zero like he makes these amazing videos and his artwork's badass but a lot of the stuff he says you think he's just saying that so he can get ranking in youtube like, we're not silly like we can see what's going on here <laughs> like so the video that i've seen here right and i put this on our trello i'll tell you what i wrote this sounds like bollocks but just imagine, right? That's what I put. <laughs> Better mark this one as explicit. That's what I put on our Trello as a little planning tool. So the title of the video is The Rise of Skywalker, Deleted Anakin Scene is Insane. So this is blatant keyword stuff, right? He's blatantly getting the, 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 the traffic from, wait a sec, there's a deleted scene. There is no proof that there's a deleted scene from what I can tell. And I might be wrong. I'm sorry, Mike Zero, if I am wrong, but I can't see anywhere where there's an actual... Here's the scene. I can't see that, right? All that aside, though, what he's getting at is this. Good old Anakin comes back in a big old force ghost melee, 
right at the end of Rise of Skywalker, which we all thought was going to happen. And it does sound has a bit like it has a bit of credibility, whether it was filmed or not, we don't know. But it sounds like, you know, when it was ramping up to the Rise of Skywalker, all the signs pointed to it having been filmed, but no one's confirmed it. And this scene apparently is described by Mike as he's, Anakin is, um, Ray's taking the, the beating basically, at the end of Rise of Skywalker. And you've got all the Jedi popping up as Force Ghosts, almost in like a bit of a pyramid behind her, a bit of a triangle behind her. And right at the front, you've got Anakin. And next to him, just behind him, on either side, you've got Luke and Leia. And then, obviously, the Jedi, you know, further, further back, you would imagine it'd be you know, Windu and and, and, and uh, maybe even Kanan Jarrus and Obi-Wan and all those people. But the idea here is that Anakin is the main guy and he's the one, he smirks at Sidious and then proceeds to just take over his spirit form and just beat the guy down with all the, all the force. Um, this is, like, <laughs> logically, the fact that they possibly filmed a scene where all the Jedi turn up and they're like, you've got this, it's going to be huge, you've got this. <laughs> that sounds legit, all right? But I think Mike Zero might have just taken it a little bit far. And just, you know, yeah, and he was he was the one grabbing the spirit. And yeah, he might have given him a little smirk because that's all the hitting Christiansen can do, uh, it appears. And it, it sounds like a cool scene, dude. But it's like 30% probably what they wrote, maybe kind of. And then the rest of it is like, wouldn't this have been awesome? So, yeah, what's oh, that were a bit of a rant on that one. What say you on that, dude? Hmm. Interesting one. This, I think it does, it does lend into something we spoke about a few months ago. Where, remember that script that that uh, surfaced, Trevor, Duel of the Fates. Yeah, that whole concept where the film was com- pretty much completely different to what we saw in the Rise of Skywalker, and there was that scene that was written, wasn't there? Where I don't think it was Anakin that faced off against Sidious, but. There was a bunch of force ghosts that turned up and there was a big battle with the acolytes and the force ghosts and all that stuff. So it does sound kind of similar. It might have some some weight to it, I'm not sure, but uh the, thi- the so there's two things for me. The first one is the these guys coming back as force ghosts would would have been amazing, like one of the coolest things. And I'm so surprised, you know, that those that the guys at, at Lucasfilm didn't clock that. I'm so surprised that JJ and Kathleen and all those people, how they didn't just, even if the Trevorrow stuff, you know, they, they obviously can't, why they didn't look at that scene that he wrote with the force ghosts and like, Oh my God, like that, like that, that just going to be one of the coolest things that we've seen in star Wars, because the only thing that we've seen with force ghosts up to this point is just them waving at the end of a film for a few seconds. And we've seen Obi-Wan wander around and have a chat with Luke. And that's your lot. This would have been like the next level. Like we, we had no idea that force ghosts could interact with things, could fight between each other and all that stuff. It would have just raised the whole just badassness of all of that stuff. So why they didn't look at that and think, do you know what? Out of everything we're doing on this film, this is like the scene that's just going to blow the roof off of every cinema where people are sitting watching this. So, um, so I, I think it holds a little bit of weight just because the, the badass factor and also some of this stuff was in the original script anyway. Whether this was actually filmed or not, I have no idea. We did hear rumblings, didn't we, that Hayden was involved in some regard. So possibly 
I've no idea. But the other thing also, dude, is that it, out of all of our complaints with The Rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy as a whole, the the one thing that is really sad about the whole lot is the fact that Anakin didn't return as his pre-Sith uh, self, pre-Vader. That's yeah, what's given sad that it's about, Anakin's yeah. story, isn't it? You it know. Precisely, yeah. You would have thought that in some way that Hayden w- would have come back and, and uh, have done something. It's uh, That's what's... I'm not angry about that. I'm, that's just what's really sad about it. It's just such a disappointment and sad thing that the Skywalker saga doesn't end with with the original Skywalker that kicked it all off, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of this being a deleted scene, I don't know, man. It's one of... Surely this would have been leaked, though. Surely, to God. This would have been leaked by somebody. Even if they didn't film everything, surely there's a set photo or a comment from a cast member or a crew member or something. But I don't know, man. What do you reckon? I think it's too. I think you're right. It's too big to have not gotten out in some way or form. And there was always the rumblings, you know, in McDermott and and and, and Hayden Christiansen being pulled from conferences and all that stuff back in November, October time, um, even as late as December. So yeah, I mean, I, I I do think that part of it is credible, and I agree with you around. You know, why didn't they just pick the jewel of the fates piece of of the puzzle that would have just blown people's minds? Um, regardless of what the rest of the Rise of Skywalker was like, you and I would have been like, right, forget the rest of it. The f- screw the last two hours. Let's talk about this thing. And it would have, you know, they, they went so fan servicey with everything else. And they didn't with this. And it's like you said, it's the one thing that not only would have really helped that movie, but would have stuck a pin in everything with Anakin. It would have also given... A lot of opportunity for Force Ghosts in the future, even if it's not those characters in the future timeline, it's Force Ghosts in the High Republic. Like, it just gives you a range of things that if you want to use them, you can use them. And it's like like the Force healing from Rey. The guys that watched The Mandalorian were like, ah, that's why they did it in The Mandalorian. Like, I get it, I'd never seen it before, but that's so they can say, well, yeah, 25 years ago, Baby Yoda healed this guy. So, of course, Ray can do it because she's got the power. So it's kind of, you know, that's what they do. That's what story groups do. They throw you a little nugget so they can link it to the nugget later. Um, So I agree, you know, I agree with that. But I I, I don't think it would have played, I mean, I wish it would have because it sounds badass, but I don't, I think it it wouldn't have played out quite like Zero had said. And I think, you know, it's a shame when you see these videos. I love watching these videos because as a fan, I'm like, this is outstanding. But it's sort of a, it's one of those things that makes it difficult then to appreciate what we did get. And just to kind of put a bit of context on this, um, his last video, Zero's last video was, the title was, Mark Hamill betrayed by Disney with Star Wars. And you're like, was he really betrayed? Like, really? So just, I just want to add a little bit of context to some of this hyperbolic stuff that comes out. And um, I'd love for this to be the case. I would truly love for this to be, a deleted scene, but then if imagine you're Kathleen Kennedy and you're like, on Disney Plus when Rise of Skywalker comes out, put that put that deleted scene on. People would go nuts mm-hmm. in a good way, and then approximately 15 seconds later, in a terrible way, they would say, "What the hell? Why did you take this out of that film?" Yeah. So you can't win, can you? And also, um, it would have been really nice to have 
closed off the relationship with Sidious and Anakin as well, because that's a great point. At the end of Return of the Jedi, we see Anakin come back, the redemption side of things, where he tosses uh, the Emperor over the over the barrier. So at that point, you're like, right, okay, uh, Anakin's now come back. Um, but he, he he hasn't got the time to fully redeem himself with his son because he's going to die. But at least he's now sort of come full circle. He's started off as a Jedi, went through the Sith stuff, but now he's come back to the light side almost and, and all that stuff. It would have been really great to have seen at the end of the trilogy, like Anakin having that kind of point of view, like, no, 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 I'm not having this. I've already dealt with you once before. And now you're going to try and do it to not only my son, but now you're going to try and do it to the next generation of Jedi. I don't think so, dude. So it would have been great to have revisited the relationship between those two characters as well. That strength would have been brilliant to see. And, you know, there was a lot of talk in Duel of the Fates about it being on Mortis. You know, Exegol was going to be Mortis, which, I've, again, I, I will never understand why they invented a new a new planet for this when there were so many that the fans would have loved and that the layman, the normal casual view would have just been like, oh, look, that's a new planet to me, just like Exegol is. I, I, do, I do not understand that logic. And, you know, if you pull that together, you draw from the Clone Wars, you know, there was there was so much talk of it being Mortis. And it's like I said, it's in the Duel of the Fates. And that was the place where Anakin really probably had his strongest times as a Force user. You know, he really proved that he was the chosen one. And it was a strong place of Force Ghosts. We saw Qui-Gon there. You know, Obi-Wan had been there before Ahsoka. All, it was just so... It was the place for him to be able to say, look, you kept me down for so long and you always said I was the chosen one and you always said how strong I could be. Let me show you. And I like you said, I've had enough of this crap from you. Let me show you what I can really do because you thought you were the king. Let me just prove this. And just, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have even, they could have kept the whole of the remainder of the Rise of Skywalker. It didn't affect the story. If they wanted that story that much, they could have just, you know, swapped three things out. Film the scene, swap Exegol for Mortis. And we'd not even seen Mortis beyond Clone Wars, so they could have even kept everything they, uh, they filmed and just gone, nah, this is actually Mortis. Cause just like they did with Mustafar at the beginning. Oh, yeah, Mustafar's got trees back now. I know you don't believe it, but it has. So <laughs> that's, that's definitely Mustafar. They could have just done the same thing. It baffles me, man. Some of these... Decisions, and this is why we'll keep talking about this for about the next fifty years. Absolutely, man. It's uh, it's frustrating, isn't it, from a from a fan's point of view? Because we we have no clue. If Kathleen Kennedy rang us up tomorrow and said, "You guys are writing and overseeing the next Star Wars trilogy," we'd be like, "Sorry, Kathleen, we don't know what we're doing." So, from a fan's point of view, we don't know how difficult it is to write films and do all that stuff. We have no. You know, that's a whole nother world. But at the same time, all of these themes that we recognize are like, look, surely, uh, I'm I'm, I'm 99% sure that the discussion we're having right now, those guys had around a table numerous times about all this stuff. So that's all cool. But why somebody didn't just latch onto that stuff and be like, look, kind of think what we're, the road we're going down is not going to work to a degree. But this stuff, however... Every pretty much every fan is going to go nuts for this. We've already, like you said, we've already fan serviced the crap out of the trilogy thus far. <laughs> why, why not just you know in for a penny, in for a pound? Just just do it all. 
but no, we're yeah. going to be like experimental with it all and you know let's go b movie indie movie style with it again and stuff it's like come on yeah, yeah. it's just it's, it's the wrong movie to do it with that big tentpole finisher it's the wrong movie to do it with um yeah. but alas the rise of skywalker it will continue to uh to generate discussion for years to come but here's what you could have won i think is what we were seeing there from mike <laughs> zero so cheers mike um all right so couple of things related to the prequels now. Um, it's been an interesting week for the prequel stuff because the Mandalorian, you know, that behind that Disney gallery behind the scenes of the Mandalorian, um, that's been out and that's been really kind of making some waves in terms of what um, what has been what has been the driving force behind the Mando series. Because obviously it was so very well received and it was very, very well put together and it seemed to have, you know, the beats of Star Wars that we wish we'd seen in The Rise of Skywalker in terms of, of, of how it was delivered. Um, so I watched a second episode the other day and there's been a couple of things that have come from the back of that and that have been reported on. Uh, so Nerdist and Cinema Blend did a couple of pieces on this independently. Um, but they're both pulled from the second episode of this Disney Gallery series, which is called Legacy. And the first piece of, of I guess, kind of news, but it's, it's really commentary, is uh, Kathleen Kennedy jumps in on that second episode and basically says, look, here's why Giorgio, me old George, is why he made Star Wars uh, the prequels. And she basically just, you know, she states, I think what a lot of us all knew which is that George just gets a little bit itchy. You know, he wanted to be making movies. Um, speaking of which, happy birthday, George Lucas. It was his birthday this week, 14th of May. And Kathleen Kennedy goes on to say that, look, we were making Indiana Jones. You know, they're Spielberg's movies, but Lucas was obviously involved. They're, they're Lucasfilm movies that Spielberg directed. And Kennedy worked on them. And she said that, you know, the, the, they were pushing the boundaries of visual effects over on the indie movies. And... That got Lucas thinking. It got him kind of wondering and kind of getting a bit itchy again. And it was it was that that pushed him into making the prequels finally. We know that he obviously wanted to make some prequels and, and, and wanted to dig into some more story. But he was always, always really skirting around it. In fact, one of the animation guys says that every Christmas party, someone had asked him, what about Star Wars? And he'd just go, nah, maybe one day, maybe one day. And then one year, off the back of seemingly making some of the indie movies, he just went... Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And that was like the <laughs> signal that it was on. So that that's quite an interesting thing that Kathleen Kennedy said that it was really the indie movies. And then some of the VFX around T2, um, Jurassic Park, that really kind of helped him to think, do you know what? We could do a heck of a lot of good stuff with the miniatures and a lot of the animatronics have come along and the CGI has come along. Um, so yeah, let's pull the trigger on the prequel. So I thought that was quite fascinating that it was not only the story that he wanted to tell and really show that it was Anakin's story, but actually the VFX and getting involved and being behind the scenes, but not really being able to tell the story because it was, you know, Spielberg was telling Indy uh, and it wasn't his movie. So I thought that was quite fascinating, dude, you know, the mind of a filmmaker. Yeah, dude. And it's really cool that, he, that it was the indie movies that, that sort of, uh, prompted him to get back into it again because from what she's saying it felt like he was star wars was always on his mind so every time they did something cool with indie whether it was uh, like the visual effects stuff or just general filmmaking and how far it had come along he would instantly think like actually yeah we could do some of this stuff with star wars and all that lot and uh so that so that's really cool but you you can also think that the people were like really miffed with him when they were making indie, because they'd be like, well, we're going to do this thing. And he'd come in with, oh, yeah, we're on Star Wars. And uh, we could do that with Star Wars, like every single thing that they spoke about. 
He was like, well, actually, when I did Star Wars... Yeah, actually, yeah. it's like will. when you get a kid, yeah. or when someone turns up with a kid, or like, you know, someone's got a kid, and then you see, seeing, when it, this always amazes me when you see it as an outsider, right? So someone's got a kid, then someone else turns up with a kid, and the kid, like, one parent goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no, little little Johnny fell over. And the other the other parent, oh, instead of going, oh, is he all right? The other parent always goes, oh, yeah, my kid invented falling over. So, exactly that, yeah. Yeah, my little Jimmy... Yeah, he fell over and, and broke his leg when he fell over. Not like Johnny, just now, just grazed his knee. My Jimmy, we had that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. He invented legs. We had that for two years, didn't we? Oh, yeah. did I tell you he was a chess grandmaster? So mm-hmm. You can just see that people. It always yeah. happens. And you can imagine Luke, like you said, Lucas doing the same. Like, oh, you're Sean Connery, he's in the movie, hey? When I did Star Wars, we got uh, Alec Guinness. <laughs> so if you want an old British people... Exactly that, yeah. And we did Star Wars. Oh, you're casting an unknown. Does anyone remember the unknown Mark Hamill? <laughs> remember that guy? He's not unknown anymore, is he? When we did Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was- oh, you're doing a motorbike scene. This is so cute. Remember <laughs> when we did the X Wings? <laughs> Fuck off, George. <laughs> he was probably on the indie films. He was probably like the frumpy old moany wife that gets to play project manager when her and hubby are doing a house build <laughs> he's karen <laughs> he's a karen yeah so like you've got all the builders and everyone then they're just like ah oh, crap karen's on site today we're gonna have like a ton of questions and when she's not there they just crack on and it's a great job but because she's playing at being project manager she's like they had a bricks of the wrong color lad send them back and then when she walks off they're like ah screw that they're going to be Mate, covered up I- anyway she doesn't know what she's talking about we um we used to do a contract with a, a, a company, a software, well, a kind of a software company. They became a software company. And uh, there was someone that worked there that <laughs> that filled that exact role and she was called Karen. Oh, God. <laughs> she once came down to the office to audit the office. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Here we go. Karen's <laughs> turned up. Here we go. It was amazing. Because she sat there and she was like, yes, and do you have light switches? I'm like, yep. Got the old light switches, Karen. Got the old light switches. Stay in your lane, Karen. And she was like, what happens if there's a fire? Right. Well, we'll follow the rented, fully serviced office guidelines on what they would suggest that we do in the event of a fire, Karen. And she was like, going to have to check that. Right, well, go down to reception, lovely. There's the key. <laughs> Just- that would be George Lucas, man, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was. Oh, um- you Doing the motorbike. This is so cute with the motorbike scene. Did I ever tell you the time that we actually, um, we didn't create a motorbike. It was actually, it was called, you might not have heard about it. It was called a speeder, right? So, and then we got these two guys and I I think it's cute that you're putting a little child on the motorbike in the, in the sidecar. But let me tell you, have you ever heard the word droid? Because we put a droid into the speeder. <laughs> like George, George, go and get the coffee. Just, uh, just keep writing the checks. Go and yeah, get the keep coffee. Keep writing the checks. Oh, yeah, that's the other problem with that as well. Like everyone have to ask kiss him. Exactly. Yeah, it's Lucasfilm, weren't they? Indeed. So yeah, he was like, anyone that's not a Star Wars fan, you were about to be fired. So hands up if you like Star Wars. Everyone's hand shoots <laughs> up. Right, carry on. Off we go. And he just turned up every morning throwing Star Wars hats. You get a hat. 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 And there's like the American office, like someone, there's someone like Toby that the manager doesn't like. So he's the one that's like, you do not get a hat. And then just, you get a hat. You get a hat. Fucking hell. We, oh, we've just caricatured George Lucas for way too long there, mate. This sounds like a robot chicken sketch. 
It really does. For you sure. should stop motion the crap out of it using little George Lucas like dolls that we're going to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got Spielberg kissing his ass as always. In yeah, the, Spielberg's in, like, oh, the vision is absolutely perfect. Oh, when I did E.T., he's like, no one cares about E.T. We did the space movie that was called Star Wars. Oh, oh yeah. Of course, George, of course. <laughs> you can imagine it the, um, between those two as well. You know, in the office when they're like, yeah, but drinks at six. Yeah, it starts <laughs> or whatever. They're like, yeah, but when I did Close Encounters, we had this effect. And he was like, yeah, but on Jedi. Remember we did Jedi. Yeah, but on Close Encounters, guys, go for that visual sort of reference. Yeah, yeah, but on Jedi, remember we had this bit as well. That's amazing. The two yeah. directors and Spielberg's like, yeah, we're just going to start this scene a little bit closer. And Lucas is like, well, you know, we sh- should be a little bit further back. And he's like, well, why don't we, we could start it closer. And Lucas is like, yeah, <laughs> but a little bit further back. <laughs> that, oh my word. Like, why do people do not do these sketches? Oh man, we should do a sketch show. It'd be amazing. It would be amazing. Right. Anyway, we're going to wrap it in a second, but we've got another couple of little bits of news. Um, because there's always so much, and we, we've really digressed today. Um, the other thing that came out of this legacy piece, uh, this Mando piece, was that um, Dave Filoni explained why the Phantom Menace is so important. So obviously it gets derided a little bit. Um, you know, take out the whole Darth Maul badassery, take out a couple of the really kind of cool concepts in there and some of the pod racing goodness. Um Dave Filoni's gone on to say in this legacy episode that The Phantom Menace was so important to the entire Skywalker saga because that was the film that sealed Anakin's fate, theoretically, because, of course, Qui-Gon got whacked. Had Qui-Gon Jinn not got whacked, the logic goes from George Lucas via Dave Filoni that, of course, Anakin's path would have been far different. He wouldn't have had Obi-Wan. They would have been much more like true brothers. Um, And... The idea is that Qui-Gon was such a, a, a balancing Jedi. He was so very grey in his ethics. You know, it was very much, okay, here's the council, but actually we should probably look into some of this stuff. And because he believed so much that Anakin was the chosen one, the logic is that he would have nurtured him a lot more down that path and, and just really kind of looked out for him, not just from Obi-Wan's very much, we are the Jedi, look at what the council says perspective, but from a, well, why don't we look at it from this angle as well? Um, which I, I never thought of that. I'd never, ever put that together, man. And I think that is a really fascinating thing, really fascinating thing. So um, have, you, have you ever considered that at all, ever? No, not really. No, I've always thought, with The Phantom Menace, I've always thought the reason why Anakin goes down the path that he does is down to Obi-Wan and the council. That I've, I've always just thought, yeah, because Obi-Wan's always... Not intentionally, but from Anakin's point of view, Anakin's always felt like Obi-Wan's always kept him, held him back from what he thinks his true powers are. And then with the whole Jedi Council thing and like, you know, treating him like, yeah, you're, you're a Jedi and everything, but you're not in, you're not, you're in the club, but you're not in the club kind of thing. So I always thought that that was the reason why he, you know, it all sort of built up and contributed to his frustration and his paranoia and stuff. So this whole thing, I mean, this is like, and the guy that played Jar Jar Binks tweeted out that George once said to me 20 years ago that in time, people's opinions of this movie will change. He's talking about The Phantom Menace and says, thanks to storytellers like Dave Filoni, we are now in time. So he's basically saying that now we fast forwarded. People are now starting to think about these films a slightly different way because these little nuggets that Filoni drops. And I'd never considered it, dude. It was like, yeah, we knew that Qui-Gon was like a decent guy. A little bit roguish, wasn't he? Like the council were like, 
yeah, he's a great Jedi, but oh, he keeps freaking sort of going off the path a little bit. But we, lo- we mm-hmm. love him, you know, little punch on the arm. We love you, dude. We love you. But, you know, stick to the path. So the fact that he's now said that if he hadn't have been whacked, like you said, by Maul, he would have been this father figure for Anakin that he really needed and would have kept him on the straight and narrow. And everybody, everything would have been sort of hunky-dory and lovely. It's just such a, an, it's such an obvious thing when you think about it. Such an obvious thing in the storytelling. But all it takes is someone like Filoni to drop that and the whole the whole world's like, oh. That's it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. And that's the beauty of it's gonna be cliched. That's the beauty of Star Wars, man. Things that are, even even we have it now with the original trilogy, things that were buried away that we thought for many, many years around these stories. They just come to light and people have a different view and little insights come out to the surface and you're like, gotcha, gotcha can see where what we were going with that if that would have happened yeah it really is it really is a, a great little nugget and like you said you know he needed the father figure which he then so insidious um and then you know the fact that he, you're right with obi-wan and you know I've, I've always seen that but never seen it as clearly as as as, as you've just said it there you know the fact that you you've been told you're the chosen one but then you're getting all these other people that aren't the chosen one telling you that you can't sit on this little council that they've made and it's like, well, if I'm the chosen one, yes, I might not be the wisest, but at least let me be a part of this because I might. And he, the, the thing that, you know, no one saw with Revenge of the Sith because the, the Clone Wars had not been out was just how much Anakin had proved himself. You know, it's it's like Ahmed Best said that because we're getting this filling from Dave Filoni and the people in the Clone Wars and the Mando and all that sort of stuff, we're starting to see you know, the real Anakin story and, you know, all the great things that he did in the Clone Wars from Mortis through to the tactical and strategic plays that he made in the army uh, as a general, you know, all everything there. And then suddenly you've got someone who's ba- who's getting bailed out by Anakin all the time in Obi-Wan, who is still a badass, but who has had his fair share of saves from Anakin saying to him, actually, now nah, you're not, you're not tight enough, dude, you're not good enough. And, it plays into that petulance of Anakin and that lack of a father figure and that, you know, people have told me I'm so badass and I want it all now. And I understand Obi-Wan's, well, look, it will come. You know, I was 25 and I was still a Padawan. Well, you're 22 and you want to be a, on the council. I get that angle. And like you said, that's the richness of this story is that there are so many layers to it. And like like you so perfectly put it, only takes Filoni to drop in one little nugget like that and we're all... <laughs> game changer so yeah I'm fascinated by this man I think it's amazing But look, we've run out of time, sadly. We've got a pile more news um, that we've we've pushed over to next week, including uh, a little bit from Mr. Mark Hamill. We've got some Mandalorian casting news, which is absolutely badass. We've got some rumours around the Cassian Andor series. And of course, there wouldn't be a week in Star Wars without rumours around the Kenobi series as well. So all of that is coming up next week. Plus, Star Wars meets Top Gun. Let's dig into that next week. That's going to be a little interesting. But until then, look, thank you for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Guys, always good to chat, my man. I appreciate uh, I appreciate the, the co-piloting as always, dude. Absolutely, my man. This is the highlight of my week, and I hope our listeners' week as well. In these, We've had a few comments to say that with everything that's going on, lockdown, everything, uh, listening to you guys talk about Star Wars and having a laugh is like really keeping us going. So really appreciate that. And 
if we're here to provide a bit of entertainment, a bit of release for you guys, then you know, mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. So great to, to chat Star Wars dude, every week. Yeah, thank you to everyone that, uh, that that's written in for that. I, we re- we do really appreciate that. It's quite humbling to be able to do that and to, to see that the little thing that you record in your bedroom on a Saturday morning because you love doing it is uh, is affecting people. So thank you so much for that. It speaks to what we can do as podcasters. Um, so like I said, next week we're going to have some Mark Hamill news. We're going to have Mandalorian casting news and we are going to talk Cassian Andor and the Kenobi series. Plus, like I said, Star Wars meets Top Gun. Um, but just... Please, please, please let us know what we can do if you need to chat Star Wars. If you want to have a bit of banter, hit us up on the socials. Go and check out patreon.com slash Rebellion for a little bit of merchandise and to support the show if you love it that much. Uh, and guys, I'll see you next week, my man. Next week's going to be huge. We'll see you guys then. Let's take care of yourselves. Stay safe and healthy as always. And may the force be with you always. Believe me, it's going to be there always. Irish. <laughs>